Let's all stand at this time. A message I call, I bowed on my knees. I bowed on my knees. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. May God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. This passage, of course, is referred to in the New Testament as well. Romans chapter 14 and verse 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And this morning we're going to be looking at several passages in the scripture that speak about the significance of bowing the knee. What it means to bow the knee. And of course, I had to think about that old Southern Gospel song, I I bowed on my knees and cried holy. And that's uh, exactly, of course, where the title for our message came from. Uh, But uh, in our culture, we see a lot of things associated with bowing the knee. Maybe not a lot of things, but some things. Uh, If you see someone who is spreading out a, a cloth of some kind and getting down on their knees and putting their face upon the earth, We associate that with a specific kind of prayer. Uh, You may see someone on a sideline when the national anthem is played who are on their knees. We see way too much of that in my opinion. And I'll leave it at that. Somebody goes up with a young lady, a young man, uh, with a box in his hand and gets down on one knee. We all smile (laughs) because we know what's about to happen. We know about that significance of bowing the knee. But I thought it'd be good today to spend some time talking about what the Bible says about this, and we do so in connection with what is also said in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles At my word. These are the ones, God says, that I look upon. And and the implication then to look with acceptance, to look upon with favor. Uh, The one who humbles himself. The Bible says it over and over again. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He shall exalt you in due time. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Many times the Bible extols the virtue of humility. We know about that. Contrite, contrition refers to a deep sense of sorrow and repentance at something that is done wrong. Trembling at his word. God said, this is what I look to. Someone with a humble spirit, someone who is contrite, someone who is trembled at my word. Now, you might be interested to know that the bowing of the knee under the Old Testament economy was something that was warned about. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 1, You shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither uh, uh, near you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down under it, for I am the Lord your God. And uh, the rabbis took that so seriously 
that they actually grew to prohibit uh, the Jews from ever bowing down except in the temple and then only on their high and holy days, specifically on Yom Kippur. Aside from that, it was frowned upon. You might remember when Hannah was bowing and, and uh, mouthing words there in the temple in contrition and how that Eli frowned upon that. Uh, there are several different times where that is indicated in Scripture. In fact, to this day, uh, the Jewish people do not kneel very much. Neither do we. Neither do we. It's uncommon to see Christians on their knees anymore. Uh, there was a time when the steps that lead up to the platform were called the altar. Some of you, my age and older, uh, remember that. But it's unusual anymore to see people come and kneel and bow before God and pray. It doesn't happen much. When the Bible talks about it, it talks about it not commonly, but in a very uncommon way. So when God is speaking, I want you to understand. I'm not, not telling you that there's anything wrong with bowing our knee or, or, or anything like that. But I do want us to know that when the Bible talks about it, it is unusual. And it's drawing attention then to something. And I think we'll see at least three different things that the Bible uses the bowing of the knee to draw attention to uh, this morning. It is, of course, a sign of surrender, of humility, of sorrow over sin, of repentance, of the fear of God, of the trembling at His Word, of the ultimate expression of worship, which in a way actually means to bow the knee or to get low. So three things this morning that uh, the Bible connects with bowing the knee. And the first one, of course, in our uh, passage, Romans chapter 14, uh, that quotes from the book of Isaiah. And there we see it in reference to accountability, to accountability. Look at it, verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether therefore we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, there it is, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself. Give account of himself to God. You see, all of our knees are going to bow before the same Lord. And Paul uses that in this passage to describe and, and to remind us of the fact that we are all, therefore, accountable to the same God. I bow before God. You bow before God. All of us will have that time when we bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of us will do that. And we must then do that for ourselves. Now, Paul would use that to call for a great, uh, make a great call for unity among God's people. And how that we should not therefore judge one another or set one another at naught. Uh, that is, that uh, we should never describe someone else as if their feelings don't matter or that we don't care about them. or, or we, we don't even uh, judge one another for what they do. 
And unfortunately, we're all too inclined to do that, I think. And uh, we tend to judge other people as to their motives. Uh, as to their motives. That is, somebody says something, and maybe it doesn't hit just right in our ear, and we think, oh, that person's mad at me. Or that person didn't like me. Somebody says something that we don't agree with, or maybe they ask us to do something, or, or ask us to stop doing something, and they say, oh, they're just jealous. They're just jealous. You see how we go straight to people's motives, and we do that all the time. All the time. And the fact is, why people do what they do is a complete mystery to us. In fact, I'll have to admit, most of the time, I don't even know why I do what I do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we do things all the time. And, and somebody says, oh, you no, no, I didn't mean it that way. In fact, I didn't mean anything. Uh, we judge one another, though. Judge one another as to motives. And, and sometimes we even go so far as to think somebody's not a good person. And it could just be that we just disagree. And so this passage then, because we all must bow before the same God, calls us to give each other a little grace from time to time. Maybe even a lot of grace. To just maybe say, well, you know, I don't necessarily agree with what that person's doing, but maybe they're doing it because they love God and because they feel like that's what God wants them to do. And I'm perfectly willing, God, to put them in your care and let you take care of them. After all, God, you're going to have to take care of me and we've got a lot to deal with. So in our relations with others, we don't declare each other as being unimportant. We don't judge one another. We seek unity as, as God's people because we are all going to bow the knee before the same Lord God. That's accountability. Then it's connected with stability. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 3. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul spends some time here speaking of the truth of the great mystery of the believer's union with Christ. And as he thinks of this and how the, the Jews and the Gentile are one in Christ Jesus, he then prays in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so <laughs> this is the kind of riches that God is really interested in having. And as Paul looked at the incredible price that was paid for our redemption, every person that's been saved is a blood-bought child of Almighty God. We've been bought at a great price. And therefore, He wants us to have all the blessings and the benefits that Jesus Christ died to give us. And he is on his knees because it is something worth praying earnestly about. God, help us to be what you died for us to be. And then 
he talks to us about our activity, how we live out our life. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee should bow. Once again, that context is connected to the acknowledging of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But then it is brought into play with a lot of other things by that simple little word, wherefore. Verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights." In the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And here the bowing of the knee then is connected with our efforts to remind ourselves of how God intends for us to live in our everyday life. So many things, I, I could preach a month on this, but we don't have time. Uh, and y'all wouldn't stay here all month anyway. So... Uh, <clears throat> Work out your own salvation, he says, as God wills and does his pleasure. That doesn't mean that we have to work for our salvation. No, we have to work it out. You see, when we're saved, we're saved on the inside. Our spirits are saved, made perfect, sinless. Paul here calls us to bring that to the outside as we seek out God's will and, and do then what pleases him. Uh, we bow the knee. Because it helps us to avoid murmuring and arguing. Murmuring and complaining and arguing. Hmm. Shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. Hold forth the word of life. You see, there's, there's something about spending time on our knees before God, bowing the knee before Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him as our sovereign, as our Lord, as our Master, that helps us then to live in a way that pleases God, helps us to know and understand about His will, helps us to go through life with less complaining, and my doesn't the world need less complaining, less murmuring. And in that simple way, Paul says, we then shine as lights. We shine as lights. In a darkened world, folks, the smallest light stands out. Smallest light, the dimmest light stands out in the darkness. The darker it gets the more those lights shine. And there's something about then, our bowing of the knee, our acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord, that helps us to shine as lights. Shine as lights. And makes it easier for us 
to hold forth the word of life. Of course, I can't preach about bowing the knee without reminding you all that when it comes to bowing the knee to our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a question of if you're going to do it, but when. As I live, God swore to Isaiah long ago, as I live, saith the Lord, the writer of the book of Hebrews would say, since God could swear by none greater, he swore by himself, as I live, saith the Lord. My word has gone out in righteousness. That is, what I have said is right. And it will not be called back. I'm not going to take it back. So God affirmed it by an oath. As I live, saith the Lord. Every knee will bow to me. Now, that doesn't mean that after a person dies that they're going to get a second chance. That's not going to happen. You read that out in the book of Revelation and you'll find out that there comes a time of resurrection when the sea will give up the dead that are in it and and, and death and hell will give up the dead that are in them. And he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before a great white throne. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But every man, every woman, every member of Adam's race will one day bow the knee before God. If you do it now in this life, you can receive Him as your Savior. If you wait till after death and you'll stand before him then, but it'll be too late for you to be saved then. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You're in this service today. God's given you a chance to hear the gospel that Jesus Christ died for you. That he'll give you eternal life if you'll call on him. And I beg you to do that as we stand together. Please.